coming up next on Contemplate. If you serve God, you will have all that you will ever need. If you serve money, you will never have enough. We'll begin our study today in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, and learn a lot about what's really important. Here's Pastor David. Jesus goes on to talk about a good eye and a bad eye. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This is a kind of a, it's, it's not a particularly complicated passage, but I've always sort of been like, what is he talking about? Just so that you know, it has nothing to do with your actual eyes. Okay? Those of us who do not wear glasses, don't need corrective lenses, are not better than those of you who do, okay? Well, maybe a little bit better, right? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That's not the point of this passage. It's not talking about real eyes, you know, physical eyes. Now, there's, a, there's a pastor in Minnesota named John Piper. Some of you may have heard of him. He's taught on this passage, and I think his understanding of this passage makes good sense. I like it, so we're gonna kind of walk through uh, how he makes sense of it. He says, to understand what Jesus is talking about, we have to look at another one of Jesus' teachings. And so we're going to read a, a story, a parable from Matthew chapter 20, the same chapter that we're in, that's going to help us get an idea of what he's talking about with this evil eye. Okay? Matthew 20, 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went again. He went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last, the ones that came at the end of the day, to the first, those who came at the beginning of the day. And, and when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received the denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day? But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil? Because I am good. So the last will be first, and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. Notice what Jesus says to those who complain about the generosity of the landowner. Or is your eye evil because I am good? John Piper writes this The evil eye is the eye that cannot see the beauty of grace. Cannot see the beauty of grace. It cannot see the brightness of generosity. It cannot see unexpected blessings to others as a precious treasure. It is an eye that is blind to what is truly beautiful and bright and precious and godlike. It is 
a worldly eye. It sees money and material, material reward as more to be desired than a beautiful display of free, gracious, godlike generosity. But we struggle with these things sometimes. One of the things that I've been working on in my life, one of the things that I'm really bummed out about, about my own character and about my own uh, sin, is that sometimes I see other people get blessed and instead of being happy for them and joy for them and rejoicing with them, I'm annoyed by it. Or I rationalize their blessing. Oh, he just got that promotion because his father's in management at that company. Or why did he buy that car, that new car? Why does he need that? He has all these other financial obligations or he's got whatever it happens to be, right? That is an evil eye. We should rejoice with people when they succeed or when they're blessed or when they're giving grace. We should not be comparing ourselves to them and what we've got and say, that's not fair. I'm being good. Why don't I have a bigger house or a nicer this or that or a whatever? Right? Oh, I looked on Facebook. These people's kids were nice to them and gave them all things. My kids didn't give me anything. Why are they, yeah, we, how about, hey, that's awesome that their kids were like that. Our relationship with God is our own. It's our own, us and God. He will work all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are the called according to his purpose. He promises that. He promises that. What is it to you or to me whether God decides to bless someone else? Do you know their story? Do you know what they've suffered? What that blessing might mean in their life? Think about this with the vineyard and the landowner. The people that had been there till the 11th hour, he comes to me and says, why are you still here? He says, because no one has hired us. A denarius was a day's wage, okay? And you needed your day's wage to do what? Buy the day's bread. Buy the food for your family that they could live on, right? So assumedly, these men who were sitting there in the town square having not been hired yet had been concerned all day that they might have to go back to their home and tell their little boys and their little girls and their spouse that they were not going to eat tonight. They were living with that all day. Meanwhile, the guys that got hired right at the beginning of the morning at 6 a.m., they went all day with the security of knowing that at the end of the day, they were going to get paid and they were going to be able to feed their family. They were working hard. There's no doubt about that. But they had that security. While these other guys who, yes, they didn't work through the heat of the day, but instead suffered through the whole day, wondering whether or not they were going to have to go home and say, we're not eating tonight, family. So is it such a bad thing that the landowner blesses these who need the day's food just like the guys who worked in the morning? Of course not. And what is it to you? He gave you what he said he would. Peter had a, a moment kind of like this. Jesus had risen from the dead. They're talking, Jesus and Peter. And Jesus basically tells Peter how he's going to die. He's going to die in order to glorify God. He's going to serve God. And then he's going to die, right? Not always the best news. Like, by the way, you're going to get killed. So enjoy that. It's not today. I'm not going to tell you when, but it's going to happen, right? So here's Peter, and he hears that. And his reaction is this. He looks back, and he sees John, the disciple John. And he has a thought to himself. John is known as the disciple that Jesus loved. And he's known as the disciple that Jesus loved because he wrote the book of John and calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. So that's... The only place where you find the disciple of Jesus loves is in the book of John that he wrote about you know, himself. So Peter looks back at the disciple that Jesus loved, right? And he's wondering if John is also going to have to die in this way. So this is what happens. We're in John 
Chapter 21, verses 21 and 22, it says this. Peter, seeing him, that's John, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Jesus wasn't saying that John wasn't going to die. He wasn't even commenting on that, whether he'd die or not die. Jesus was telling Peter, it's none of your business. None ya. Your business is to follow me, period. That's it. That's what you need to be concerned about. You follow me. If you are ever tempted to have an evil eye, to look on the blessings of others and be envious or annoyed, or to say the most ridiculous words that a saved sinner could ever say, that's not fair. That's not fair. If that's the moment that you have, just remember the words of Jesus. What is that to you? You follow me. Doesn't God have the right to bless whoever he wants, whenever he wants? Aren't we glad that he can and that he does? We will be full of light if our eye is good and full of darkness if it is bad. I can tell you that not being able to rejoice with others in their successes, in the grace that's given to them, in the blessings that they get, it's dark. It's not light. It's not going to lead you into good and pure and holy thoughts. It's going to lead you into bitterness and envy and all kinds of things that are just going to make your day terrible instead of making your day great and rejoicing for them. This is massively important because it goes right down to the most vital truth in our lives. We are saved only by the grace of God. It is not our own works so that we have nothing to boast about. It is by his grace. It was the undeserved, glorious grace of God. And he paid for that grace with his own life on the cross, died and rose again for us. And here's the deal. We're not even the workers who worked for an hour at the end of the day. We're not even those guys who at least deserve something. We deserved nothing. The wages of our sin was death. That's the wages that we earned. And instead of giving us our wages, we got his grace. We deserve death and hell and separation from God, and we got his grace. We got all of it. Romans 5a, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And finally, God tells us that we cannot serve two masters. We will either love the one and hate the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other. We cannot serve God and money. Serving money is like serving anything. You serve money if you are bound to it. If you're bound to it. If you want to know if you are, ask yourself this. How much do you think about money? How much do you worry about money? How would you react if you lost all your money? For me, this is not an issue. I have all the money I will ever need as long as I die by 5 o'clock today. <laughs> I stole that from somebody. Just so you know. I don't know who. Seriously, though, how would you react if you lost your job or you lost your home or you went bankrupt? How would you react to that? The honest answer to those questions will tell you whether you surf money. Would your world be completely upended? 
Would the apple cart be completely upset? Would you be in despair, horrified? Does it give you chills just to think about it? If so, you may be serving money. If all your money, all your possessions, your job, your car, if all those things were gone, what would happen? Would you die? Unlikely. Certainly unlikely in this country. Would anyone love you any less? No. And if they did, they weren't loving you. It was your money that they loved in the first place. Remember the prodigal son goes out and, and takes, his, his, takes the money from Pops and he goes out and he just spends it all on prodigal living. And he has all these friends when he can party. But as soon as he runs out of money, he also runs out of friends. Right? There are people like that. So maybe you'd lose them. But the people who love you, the people in this room, people who love Jesus, the people who love you, would not love you one iota less if you had no money. Would God love you any less? No. Would you be taken care of? Yes. We'll study more about that in the next section of Scripture, Lord willing. What are we chasing? What are we chasing when we serve money? Here's an easier way to figure it out. If I were only wealthier, then I would fill in the blank, right? Go on more vacations, work less, have nicer things, have more respect from people. You know, these are the kinds of things that I think we think we would have if we had more money. Tithe more. That one's actually okay. You can, it's okay to think that. Although I, I, I have thought in the past, Lord, if you just gave me more money, I would be able to give more money, right? So that 10% gets a lot bigger on a million dollars than it does on $10, right? And so don't do that. Don't negotiate with God about it. If you just give me the 20 million, I'll up the tithe to 15%, right? God can take care of his church, right? God can take care of his church. Having more money is not necessarily going to do anything for you. Maybe, maybe you worry less about the bills. Well, maybe you shouldn't be worrying so much about them to begin with. Again, the next section that we go into, Lord willing, we'll talk about that. Maybe you need money to feel more secure. If you need money to feel secure, if you do not feel secure without enough money, then you know where your security is. It's not in God, it's in money. Knowing that, fix it. Now put your security where it's supposed to be, in Christ, and you won't worry nearly as much about money, and you won't get caught serving it. We serve God. We serve God, not money and wealth and riches. If you serve God, you will have all that you will ever need. If you serve money, you will never have enough. If you don't believe me, find anybody that serves money and ask them when enough is enough. It never is. Here's the thing. What we seek is joy. Joy. We have joy when we live for and in and about eternity. We destroy our own joy when we get caught up with the things of this world. And the chasing of money and our fair share and who's better than who and all of those kinds of things, all that nonsense robs us of our joy. God is good. He provides for us. He loves us. He gives us grace. If we look to Jesus, if we follow Jesus, if we trust Jesus, if we live for Jesus, we will live in joy, period. It will happen. If you are living 
thinking about eternity, thinking about Jesus, living for him and not being caught up in all that nonsense. I'm telling you right now, there is no way you could live except joyfully. It's all a question of where our eyes are, where our thoughts are, where our hearts are. If they're in eternity, if they're thinking about the fact that we are living an eternal life, if they're thinking about the fact that God has promised to provide for us, if they're not concerned with what others think about us nearly so much as they're concerned about what God thinks about us, if, if you're satisfied in him, you're going to have joy. If you won't be satisfied in him, and you need to look to the things that you can build up on this earth, I promise you will never have joy. It will never be enough, and those things were never designed to bring you joy. Those are gifts. Those are great. You have, you have something nice. You're able to afford more than one outfit. You're doing better than most of the world. You have a car that works most of the time. You're doing better than most of the world. You get a place to live. You got food to eat. You got what you need. Those are all blessings. Those are all great. But what life is about is our relationship with God and people. Those things are eternal. What will you have forever? Let me tell you really clearly one thing I can guarantee you. What you will have forever, Christ follower, is a relationship with Jesus Christ and a relationship with every other Christ follower. Those things will last forever. What you will not have forever is whatever you're driving right now. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Let's end with a quote from C.S. Lewis. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next world. Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you get neither. Our perspective makes all the difference. And if you're more worried about your stuff than eternity and you want some help, please call us at 360-885-9000. We'd love to help you find the peace and joy that Pastor David talked about today. 360-885-9000. Always great to have you with us, and I hope you'll check out the next episode where Pastor David will teach us about something that affects most of us in one way or another, worry. That's right here next time on Contemplate.